Expat Chit Chat Show. If you're tuning in for the very first time, congratulations. You're everybody because this is the very first episode. Very exciting. I'm your host, Zach Ireland. Today, I'm filling in for Billy Crystal, who is currently in Hong Kong dealing with the wild poor crisis. Our thoughts and prayers are with Billy Crystal at this time. The Expat Chit Chat Show is where we will be diving into, in this new age of globalization, what exactly is an expat and who are these expats? Joining me today in the studio is Associated Press award-winning author and writer and self-described mid-level journalist and poet, Todd Williams. And who am I? <laughs> just it's a, just it's a question we all ask. It is, exactly. <laughs> who am I? What is this? And what, what is this strange thing? That, that I went on doing? the road for 10 years and I found nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, Todd. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it as this is our first episode, so no pressure. Yeah. All right. All right. So again, thanks for joining me in the studio. Can you describe the studio that we're in right now? Uh, it's wonderful. It's full of cats and art. And the studio that we're currently in is my apartment. And we are currently in Taipei at the moment. Yeah. All right, Todd. So to begin this show, I'm going to start off with a very easy, easy, easy question. A nuclear North Korea. Is this a Chernobyl idea or is this a disaster? What I'm- the Fukushima's going on? I'm all for it. <laughs> no, I'm well, totally kidding, man. Could you imagine if I started off a, a, a podcast with that sort of question? What a terrible <laughs> show that would be. No, let's start off with something much simpler. Where have you lived? Where have I lived? So I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, be more Murderland. From there, there's a big gap of time there. It's 18 years. Mm-hmm. It's my whole upbringing. That's very Russian uh, of you. Be more Murderland. Yeah, Murderland. It is where the motor is. <laughs> From there, I went to college in Roanoke, Virginia, studied for a while in Ireland, mm-hmm. moved back to America, unfortunately. After that, I took off to the West Coast where I got my first newspaper gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, first in Northern California, just around San Francisco, then moved down to Southern California. Then the person I was living with sucked, so I took off to Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll and, do uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great state. Korea. California. (laughs) Uh, Korea was a good time. Mm. Yeah, California is a great state. I just had bad company. Mm -hmm. From there, spent a few years working on a magazine. Met my wife, my best friend in life, Patty Hogan, who is a quite renowned artist. I first read about her in a magazine Mm -hmm. and decided I was going to marry her. It's not creepy. It wasn't Uh, a... uh, uh, (laughs) I think there's a song, song about that. Cars did that, you know. Angel is a centerfold. Yeah, it was uh, my blood runs cold. But that was about an angelus. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, was it? She okay. was already naked in the magazine. <laughs> I met her. By naked, I mean her heart was on the walls. Yeah, her uh, heart was bare. Magazine. Her heart was bare. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw all of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we we went back to the states for a while. I worked at the Des Moines Register, which is mm-hmm. where I ended up winning an Associated Press award by accident. Congratulations! Thank you. Uh, did that before the age of thirty, which was cool. Not a lot of people get that recognition at that age then we moved to taiwan that's fantastic that's oh. such a so start out in the states so we have baltimore then california then korea and then now we're in taiwan now mm-hmm. we're in taipei it's absolutely wonderful um so how would you describe your job title like what, what what's your job title i always say that i'm a poet at heart but i'm a journalist for the money which is a really fortunate way to be Mm -hmm. that I get paid for my words and that's all I do for a living. That's wonderful. Um, 
that really touches on because a lot of people ask me, a lot of uh, young people come to me on my social media accounts and they say, how do I get a job? How do I do what I love? And I always tell them, you know, the job that you do doesn't necessarily have to be your absolute life passion, but as long as it allows you to do what your passion is, then then you're fortunate. Is Would that fit to you? I would say that uh, right now, people our age, my age, anyway, you're much <laughs> younger than I am, uh, people my age at 34 will hit me up and they say, how do I become a journalist? And I say, well, first you start at your high school newspaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they realize that they're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't happen overnight. Everybody gets the whim that they want to be a writer or they want to be an actor. They want mm-hmm. to be a podcaster. And that's just not the way it works. I will mm-hmm. encourage everybody to do it. Mm-hmm. But I would say start early and show your balls. Show your balls. Yeah. I mean, literally to managers. Oh, literally show your yeah, balls. Just to show managers. them your balls, and okay. they just give you writing assignments. For the for the listeners at home, I personally do not recommend exposing your genitalia to to people. But you know, like uh, all roads lead to Rome, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> more, more than one way is to skin a cat or skin a potato. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so your self described job title is you're a poet at heart who is a journalist to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. So currently, I'm a senior editor in the magazine division of an app in Taiwan. Okay. Where I write about travel. I've been a travel writer for years now uh, for different publications like Vice. I've worked in Village Voice Media, a couple of different places. But right now I've found myself settled at an app in Taiwan, which I think the digital age is really bringing about that like I'm an editor, but I'm also a tech guy. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to put things online, which when I first came into my role, I thought, I'm always doing print journalism. Mm-hmm. I will never be one of these online people. Yeah, I'm not a blogger. Screw the new age. It's all made by witches anyway. Right. And all I these, was right on that cusp. All these the, ones the, and zeros. The zennial cusp yeah. of, <laughs> of Gen X, where it's all, you sit down and read the newspaper, and then millennials, where it's all on the phone. Mm-hmm. At 34, we're right on the cusp Yeah, of, um, like, uh, shit, I need to learn this, and I need to do what was done in the past as well. No, that's so I true. prefer print, yeah. but I've discovered that the things I get paid for online mm-hmm. get picked up by print publications. Yeah. And that gives me satisfaction. No, that's so, and I also get paid twice, which is, yeah, good. no, that, that's, so, <laughs> that's so incredibly true because like, there's something about as of right now, 2019 people over 30 uh, have a lot of issues with like, I need to touch you. I need to feel it. Mm-hmm. And me being 29, I have that with certain things as well. Like Bitcoin, I'll never fucking understand Bitcoin because I can't touch it. I can't mm-hmm. feel it. But and I you're not libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that'll do> it. <laughs> but then like for my generation, like for example, me, I haven't had a computer in like 10 years because I have a computer in my pocket. Right. I'm literally recording this right now on my on my telephone. You just gave it away. Yeah. Oh, oh no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners at home, no, no, no. This is a very big setup. Um, yeah. Studio is huge here. Massive, massive. Yeah. No, that I find that I find that fascinating. I find that fascinating. Tell me something about your job that you love. What's something about your job? What sparks joy with Top? What sparks joy? What sparks joy? Yeah. Uh, so we're in here in the studio with Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that doesn't spark joy, I've just always thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. I love Marie Kondo, but, uh, I've just always thrown things away that don't spark joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does spark joy is I became a journalist with a simple goal of, I want to meet every human being on earth. Mm-hmm. I remember that when I first met you, you said something like that and very drunk that, and slurs. 
<laughs> it was a bit slurrier at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I have a genuine interest in humans. And I like almost every person I meet. Mm-hmm. There's something interesting about everyone. Yeah, I can say that there are groups of people I dislike. Mm-hmm. But when I meet an individual, I feel like you really get to the core of who they are. Mm-hmm. And that works for me both in journalism and in poetry. Yeah, yeah. And when I read something, I want to feel the exact same way the person was feeling when they wrote it. Yeah. And that's the way I write. I want them to hear it in my voice. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a human connection that yeah. journalism brings. And getting out of political journalism did that for me. Yeah. I think there's something very, very beautiful and very true there as well. Like not to get too deep on Mm -hmm. it, but you know, it's easy because you say like you hate groups of people, but you like individuals because there's always something there. And I think that there's something very true to that because when like a lot of times in this very caustic political climate that we have, it's easy Mm -hmm. to say like, oh, I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I don't like liberals, but, or I don't like, you know, X, Y, Z sort of group. But then when you meet this person individually and then they become, they're no longer Republican, but then they're, you know, Dan from like Ohio or something. Where can they find you? Like where on social media? Are you an Instagrammer? Are you a Facebook guy? Do you want people to find you on social media? You can find me through previous articles. Just Google Todd Allen Williams through Vice or Deep Blue, which is D-E-E-P-B-L-U. Um I don't really have much of an Instagram presence. Mm. Uh, my Facebook is all private. Okay. Partially because I started getting hate mail mm, yeah. uh, because of articles I had written. And um, I like I've that. told you before, I became a writer so that nobody ever sees me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was doing stand-up comedy, my audience could look at me directly and just hate mm. me right there. Yeah. I understand that. I keep my Facebook on private as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Uh, go ahead and Google Todd Allen Williams and Deep Blue, D-E-E-P-B-L-U, and you can find his articles. What is something not everyone would know about your job? Well, that it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a job. Elaborate on that. That paywall, when you see Washington Post, Al Jazeera, New York Times, mm-hmm. You've met your article limit for the month. Mm-hmm. Pay one dollar. That actually puts a roof over my head. <laughs> it's oh, an actual. Wow. It's an actual fucking job. That, oh man! That there are actual people doing that. Your content is not yet produced by AI. Mm-hmm. It will be eventually, and I'll retire to a beach. <laughs> a beach that is as clever as me. Oh, those beaches. Yeah, love those beaches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. Like, that's so interesting. So, do you get a cut of commission? Like, when it when when you pay that like one dollar to subscribe to the like New York or whatever, do you get a commission from that? Like, when it's the specific article? Yeah, like say I, I wrote an ad twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and it runs again. Even then, I'm getting a twenty five cent check. Yeah, but that adds uh, up with like it, seven billion. People yeah, like I mean, years ago, I did some ads for alternative energy mm-hmm. on the side. While being a journalist in LA, where my apartment was eighteen hundred a month, mm-hmm. at that time they were paying me, I think it was a thousand a week, which was sweet. But you still get commission in the end, and it all adds up. Everything you did in the past is your retirement, and you work hard for you. You meet the people, and human interaction is really hard for me. I have anxiety, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I want to meet these people. I want to do everything. Yeah. Uh, it is going out there and getting information for people mm-hmm. just brings it back to it is a job. 
Yeah. And um, that's so true. Cause I think a lot of times like in the creative field and in, in the arts, in the artistic world, a lot of times people think like, Oh, well I could do that. Or like, uh, because like uh, for those of you at home listening who may not know, I work as an actor and a talk show host for my like main gig, I guess. And this is you know just for fun. But a lot of people, they'll approach and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like when I was in high school, I did theater. Or like when I was in high school, I was on the journalism team or, or things like that. When and I was in high school, I played football. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is it's so like, different now. Yeah. It's I'm so, not Ray Lewis. <laughs> you can look at me and tell that. But it's it's so true that like a lot of times people forget that this is a job. This is an actual career that we went out and did. And I'm assuming with your job, you don't have a 401k, right? No. No, yeah. no. And the freelance jobs. No retirement. I, well, uh, as an expat in Taipei, mm-hmm. it was only made possible a year ago that expats in Taiwan could get retirement. Oh, wow. At all. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So you can get a pension plan, but only if you have permanent residency. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, that's something that we're going to have to address on a later podcast about mm-hmm. like, um, setting up you know, medical insurance, setting up, um, you know, retirement and things like that in a, in a, in a foreign land. Yeah. That's something I still struggle with. Like, man, I haven't had insurance in years and that's something we can talk about later too. That actually leads really well into my next question. Uh, what annoys you about your job? What annoys me about my job? Mm -hmm. Not talking about other people. What annoys you about your job specifically? We'll get into other people. I would say that it's pretty fluid at this point. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm also an editor. Mm-hmm. I get to manage what I do. Editors never really bothered me, but the pressure that they got from middlemen mm-hmm. when I started bothered me. Okay. Where it's like, I want to go review this play. Mm-hmm. And the editor says, here's the money to review that play. Mm-hmm. And here's how much you're going to get paid for the article. Mm-hmm. And then the middleman says, we don't want that. Okay. So dropped contracts are annoying. Uh, from the people with money who wanted the thing Uh and then they see the thing and they don't want it. Mm -hmm. And maybe at some points it's because I sucked. Okay. Maybe I was bad at it. Mm -hmm. I started as a political journalist, moved into arts because I didn't want to have a heart attack, moved into travel (laughs) because it's easy. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, just, um, that's so interesting. I never would have thought of it that way because like hunting uh, down payment, yeah, because with with, yeah. with my job in particular, like usually it's like, okay, you know, I have this contract, and then if I'm not what they want within like the first week or something like that, then usually I get dropped. Mm-hmm. But once the product's done, they have no right to say, okay, I don't want this anymore. But with you, sometimes you turn up with the final product, and they're just like, no, and then you just yeah, don't get. We money. don't want it anymore, and then you're just screwed. You just right. do you do you even get a percentage of that money? No, no, no. you just get nothing. Sometimes they just disappear. Wow, okay. not anymore. Mm-hmm. Not at this age, but at a younger age. Yeah, yeah. Younger age um, being like what, like ten years ago? When I was ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was ten, yeah. when I was a widow Todd, journalist. Todd's twenty years old right now. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, fresh out of university. Oh, so it's not necessarily like a time frame now, like this being like twenty nineteen. You're talking about like when you were a younger person than yeah. When I was younger. Oh, okay. I, I got screwed over a lot. And I would say another thing that really was horrible about that is that it gave me an attitude mm-hmm. that I never had before. Okay. Elaborate. I would just be like, I mean, I lived in Northern California. I occasionally did reviews of marijuana clinics mm-hmm. and it was like, Oh, you go to a restaurant, you get free food. You go to a marijuana clinic, you get free pot <laughs> and I get the free pot, but then not the money from the article. Uh, so now I'm stoned and broke. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like being 22. (laughs) (laughs) At least the pot was free. Though I haven't personally experienced this. I've read about it in many books. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's, uh, that's also something about just the arts in general is a lot of times, you know, you get paid an experience, you get paid in like, you know, booze or pot or shoes, but you know, my landlord doesn't accept pot, booze and shoes as payment. Oh, and I would say a thing about working in, uh, right now my position specifically in oceanic journalism Mm -hmm. is that people take you out for a lot of seafood dinners. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm not opposed to seafood, Mm -hmm. but not every day. But when you're working in, Something like scuba diving, uh-huh. where you go to look at animals and talk about the animals and talk about saving the animals, mm-hmm. and then they take you out for seafood, and they're in the same industry. Yeah, and that's kind of a weird <laughs> thing, and it might be unique to this region. Yeah, <laughs> that they do that. But uh, like when I interviewed Paul Watson from the Sea Shepherds, uh-huh. on the Steve Irwin, mm-hmm. their ship that they're they're now scrapping, mm-hmm. they serve vegan sushi. Okay. So they make vegan sushi. Everybody on, everybody yeah. in the Sea Shepherds is vegan. Okay. I'm not. Yeah. But I think that if you work in that field that passionately, mm-hmm. you shouldn't you would. take me out for seafood dinners. No, I can, I can definitely understand <laughs> that. So we kind of talked a little bit earlier about one of the things that you want people to know or not everyone would know and that this is a job. So here's something that I think is going to spark joy for you around an opportunity to tell the people, is there anything that you want non-writers to know about writing people who are not in your field to know about your field? There's nothing called the media. Okay. Elaborate. I mean, the media is a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. I avoid Facebook arguments. Okay. But if somebody says the media Mm -hmm. and say, it's like a friend's aunt or like, the cousin of Billy from high school. Mm-hmm. There's nothing called the media, but people say the media is full of lies. Sort of in the sense of like, you mean like when people say the media, they mean like, Oh, the Illuminati or like the, yeah. the lizard people. For instance, I shared a picture the other day and I said, this is the biggest pot of hammerhead sharks I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And somebody commented on that, on that more fake news from the media. I was like, what does the, you're just yelling at all. You're yelling at all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, no. These are real hammerhead sharks. I uh, swear they're not robots. Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're floating around on your flat earth and <laughs> they're just doing their thing. <laughs> the, the, glo- the global flat earth. Society. I put tinfoil on all of them, which mm-hmm. sent off the, their natural sonar and I sent mm-hmm. them on their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was okay. There were only 200. But I mean, we uh, can't, <laughs> at the end of the day, Todd, we just can't trust you because... You know, the listeners at home are ingesting the media from a person who works in the media, being interviewed by someone who works in the media. Okay. Well, here's another question for you. You kind of touched on this earlier, but what's in the interest of exploring what expats are in this global age, in this uh, new age of globalization, how do you self-identify? Like what, what makes Todd, Todd? Like where where, where are you from? What's your, what's your background? I've always found myself to be pretty fluid. Like I mentioned earlier, I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. I thought that was important. I was also writing. I was also in the band. Mm-hmm. I was the only person on the football team who had to run during the halftime show, get mm-hmm. into a band outfit, play his trumpet, and run back to the football game. 
Okay. So I just kind of like to be everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like, I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. I'm always active. So uh, artistic and blue and blue collar at the same time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's, <clears throat> there's nobody that I am for. I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of the day, I am just some dude from a working class part of Baltimore mm-hmm. who learned how to do a thing he loves and applied himself while a lot of other friends went to college or died or like, I mean, yeah, it's just, there's nothing I really identify as okay. I, a fluid situation to situation. I mean, certainly I'm a progressive dipshit from <laughs> suburban America, mm-hmm. but also very much a city guy who um, has found a voice. And in particular with my current book of poems about the part of Baltimore I grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, it's 50 poems and they're all about people I know who have died. Wow. Um, so I'm giving a voice to people who never had one. Okay. I guess that's what I identify as now. It's just a, a guy with a voice doing something that I hope will help people. Cool. Wow. That got deep. I like that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Todd. Yeah. yeah thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Wow. Through podcasts, friends are becoming closer friends. That's a lot. Moving on to something a little bit lighter. Oh, do you want to plug that book at all? Or you're currently working on the book it? that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called songs for Dundalk. And while I'm doing higher level journalism, I also have written for my local newspaper mm-hmm. in my little corner of Baltimore called mm-hmm. Dundalk. One I gave my mom for her birthday mm-hmm. called always a Dundalk boy. But um, the further I get from home as an expat, the more I feel myself drawn back there. Not that I'm going to go back, but that it's more of a place that I love than it was when I was 18 and left for university. There's something really, there's something there that ties a lot of us, not just as expats, but us in our, you know, twenties to thirties, the further we get away from home, the more we identify from where we left. Cause I I find that a lot with myself as well. Like when I was living in Nebraska, I couldn't wait to get out. And now that I'm further Mm -hmm. and further away, I find that there are a lot of things that bring me joy and comfort from the Cornhusker state. Mm-hmm. So that's something for you. Like when you say Dun- Dundalk, that's, Dundalk. that's where yeah. you're from, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you identify as a Dundalk boy in ways. Yeah. I grew up catching crabs, steaming them, going fishing, mm-hmm. all the typical things that you do as a working class kid, mm-hmm. but then also had the opportunities to study under some of the best teachers ever mm-hmm. politicians some of the best poets like benazir Bhutto came to my school oh, wow. and gave a powerful speech before she was assassinated mm-hmm. and um edward saeed and like all these people i've met like ben Cardin, who is senator from maryland now um i've had the opportunity uh just to work my way up and meet these people mm-hmm. uh, the biggest asshole was ralph nader <laughs> i love him yeah. but what makes him an asshole? Like what makes him identify as an asshole? <laughs> he was very dismissive of my questions, mm-hmm. but I also think he's part of what turned me into a journalist. Yeah. 
that uh, when I talked to him, I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And I learned that I was going to have to be a lot more specific and ready to talk to people like him. Were you asking questions that weren't specific enough and he was very dismissive and rude? Is that what happened? Right. Oh, okay. But that's not what... I hate that when people get to a position where they think like, oh, like I can just like sort of write people. Well, especially, especially people you completely agree with. Yeah. Or even people at like such a young age. Like, I mean, you're 19 years old. You don't have your shit figured out. You don't, you haven't gone through the the trials and tribulations of being a journalist to ask the hard hitting Mm -hmm. questions, you know? Meanwhile, I've been in Bernie Sanders office before. Mm -hmm. I hear he's like, I hear from people who work closely with him that he is a dope dude wonderful yeah i've not met him Mm -hmm. i've been in his office and there are little corners of it Mm -hmm. where you can see that he's still a college kid from vermont yeah a a very good there's a ben and jerry's donation in his office oh that's so sweet (laughs) a very close friend of mine from high school and then later in college morgan shout out to you morgan waters they work with him in the denver office i want to say and they go on and on about how great of a person individually bernie is right yeah yeah not this is not like you know not that i am or i'm not feeling the burn but you know no political endorsement no 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 political endorsement i just hear that he's a mensch as they say so getting off this topic a little bit we're going to move i think you already addressed this a little bit but i want to hit on it because this is the question that Every single expat hates. This is the question that we hear from cab drivers, from people in bars, from literally every person you meet on the street. (laughs) How, and it started with a a 30 minute answer. Now we have it worked down to about like one minute or even 30 seconds. Okay. What brought you from where you were to where you are? What, like, what, what was the moment that you became an expat? What brought you from, I think, what, California to Korea? Tim Russert died. Okay. During the 2008 election, mm-hmm. Tim Russert. Tell the people at home who don't know who um, Also who tell me because I don't know who Tim Russert is. Was a political journalist for MSNBC. Mm-hmm. He was a huge hero of mine. Okay. And uh, covering the 2008 election, he was apparently walking from office to office. Mm-hmm. And his last words were something along the line of like, hey, how's it going to another colleague? A couple offices down, he went into... Cardiac arrest. Oh, okay. And he was just going off to his office, saying hi to people. Mm -hmm. You know, he moderated one of the debates between uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. I believe. And I decided I couldn't put up with it anymore. Mm -hmm. It being? Political journalism in America. Yeah. And I had already decided to do arts journalism. I was doing a little bit of politics. The first time I was ever on the radio talking about politics was on the Todd Feinberg show. Mm Mm-hmm in Boston when I was 23. He said, you're Todd, I'm Todd, and this is the only thing we're ever going to agree upon. <laughs> he comes on right before Rush Limbaugh. Oh, I love it. Or he used to anyway. Uh-huh. My father to this day on long road trips, he'll, and he's trying not to fall asleep, he'll listen to Rush Limbaugh because it makes him so angry. Yeah. It's someone to just like sit and argue with. Yeah. It's the funniest thing to see this like Midwestern Nebraska curse dad. In the car. Oh, he just curses in the car. He turns bright red and he's just yelling at the radio. That's why I need it out. Yeah. I realized that if one of my journalistic heroes, like I wanted his job, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be on meet the press. Mm -hmm. I wanted something like that. And instead I decided to take a more casual route, Mm -hmm. travel journalism, focus on the arts, run an art studio overseas, work for magazines overseas, Mm -hmm. get uninvolved in politics. Yeah. 
I don't know how old he was when he died. It was somewhere around 50. I'm still so young. For but um, he dropped dead in the office. Yeah, so and I realized it was because of the election. Yeah, yeah. It's the age old adage. Like if you work for a living, why kill yourself working? Right. Yeah. Which is why I took the Anthony Bourdain route. Oh, there you go. Why kill yourself working? <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> oh, no. oh. Oh, Anthony, that really hit the expat community hard. All right. So what are some of the challenges about living in Taipei? Um, compared to a lot of Asia, not many. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been around enough of Asia to know that, one, as a travel journalist, Taipei is central. Mm-hmm. Taipei Taoyuan Airport. Formerly called Chiang Kai-shek after the dictator, renamed under the DPP, and they mm. still fight over that, um, which is outside of my realm. They don't even care that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Nobody stares at me on the train. Nobody really gives a shit that I'm here. Mm-hmm. I work at a tech startup, and honestly, like I work in a row of tech startups and hostels, and you can't tell the difference between the people. Hmm. Yeah, so about living in Taipei, I would say the only thing that really bothers me is that people walk slow. Okay but don't reflect different parts of island culture. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything else slowly. Oh, okay. Like yeah. You get to the register at a store mm-hmm. and they automatically like want to rush through. Oh yeah, yeah. They just like throw things at you. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, uh, that's all right. That does, that does uh, Henry Rollins here. was here and yeah. he said uh, in Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. he had his change ready when he got to the register, his exact change. Mm-hmm. But like Henry Rollins said, other than that, life in Taipei is slow. Yeah. But as a very tall person who walks quickly, Mm -hmm. that gets annoying. Yeah. But I've always said about Taipei, if that is my biggest complaint, Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Yeah. So can you sum up a couple things that you love about Taiwan? Love about living in Taipei? Well, I wrote this more eloquently the other day. Mm -hmm. I'm not an orator. I'm a writer. I'm not a master debater, but I'm a linguist. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) We live... Patty and I, in the middle of downtown and the ocean. Mm -hmm. Within a half hour, I can get to my job. Within a half hour, I can get to the ocean Mm -hmm. here in Taipei. That's beautiful. Hour and a half uh, rapid train ride. Mm -hmm. I can get to the other end of the island. Mm -hmm. Things are so convenient here. People are so polite. Everything's congenial. Like I said, my only complaint here is that people walk too slow. Mm-hmm. So which, nice. is, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They walk too slow in front of me, and that pisses me off if I'm getting to work mm-hmm. or getting anywhere. But I can get to the ocean. I can get to the mountains. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere and be accepted. Mm-hmm. And most people on our street know English. I know we live near Chillin Night Market, a tourist area. Mm-hmm. I would say Taiwan really embraces you. And from the first day that we got here, we went out to dinner with friends who introduced us to Taiwanese friends. Mm -hmm. And one said, how long are you going to stay here? I said, at least five years. Mm -hmm. And he said, I hope you stay longer. That's beautiful. And now we've been here for six years. Mm -hmm. And he lives in San Fran. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. All right. Because for me... What makes a place isn't really necessarily the place, right? It's it's all about the people. Right. And every people, every culture has certain eccentricities or certain quirks. Give me something that is uniquely quirky to the people of Taipei. Something that's just kind of like, oh, it's, it's so different than like what we do back home. Uniquely quirky to the people of Taipei. Yeah. Like people in Nebraska, we say wash instead of wash. Um, 
or like uh, people from the Midwest in the United States, when we actually bump into people, we say, oh, Chabadua culture. Chabadua. Chabadua. Mm-hmm. Chabadua for the listeners back home is sort of like, oh, yeah, like close enough. But it doesn't mean it's not looked at as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you have a stain on your wall. Yeah, Let's yeah, put yeah. tape on it. Chabadua. Oh, Chabadua. That'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll do. Yeah, it'll just sort of like, uh, that'll do, pig. Like, uh, that'll do. Like, uh, oh, that it's like, uh, you know, our our plumbing was bad mm-hmm. once. And the landlord just says, nine in the morning, there's going to be a guy walking on your roof mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Yeah. He's going to wake you up, mm-hmm. but that'll do. Yeah. And I think it's really unique here that it's just mm-hmm. like, when we talk to Taiwanese friends about Chabado, when we complain about it. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, it just means it works. It works, right? It works. It works. So what are you complaining about? It's like, uh, uh, you woke me up at nine in the morning, Mm -hmm. but does it work? Yes. Yeah. Pretty unique to Taipei. No, it is. Uh, I love that. It's it's not like other parts of the region Mm -hmm. where they'll either get it done or not. Yeah. Here it's like, we'll get it done on our time. So we're reaching toward the end of the podcast because I don't know if you guys have the attention span to listen to an hour or 30 minutes or, you know, what's going on with this podcast, really. So we'll just end with some sort of last minute advice. Todd, what would be some advice that you would give the people back home who are thinking about moving abroad or who are thinking about just leaving their own country and exploring something new? Do it. Yeah. Do it. Honestly, like, don't. Given to the excuses. Yeah. Just do it. Mm-hmm. I have people who say, oh, I move abroad, but I love my family. Mm-hmm. I move abroad, but my job is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I move abroad, but I don't have enough money. I yeah. move abroad, but like, oh, how do I get a sta- stable income? Finding enough money is a legit excuse. Yeah. But you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love my family. Mm-hmm. So does everybody abroad. So is everybody abroad? I have a good job. Yeah. So did a lot of us. I think a lot of people, because like I hear that excuse a lot from my friends back home who they say like, oh, how could you do this? Don't you love your family? Of course I love my family. But, you know, if there was an emergency that happened right now and I needed to be back in, you know, Nahaka, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. I, it would take me tops, like maybe 20 hours to get there. I could hop on a flight. Yeah, exactly. People tend to think of like distance as being so far and in the literal things, yes, it is very far, but in this modern age of like, you know, uh, fast track railroad airplanes, distance is not removal. No, it's not. It's, it's more about time because like, for example, when I was, you know, living in Lincoln, Nebraska, but my family was near Omaha, Nebraska, it'd take me an hour to get home. Right. Okay. But if I was living in Chicago and my family was in Omaha, if I hop onto a plane, it would take me about the same amount of time to get home. If we're talking literal travel. So just because I'm what, like 7,000 kilometers from Nebraska right now, doesn't necessarily mean that I'm days and days and days away. If an emergency happens, I could be home with 7,000 from Nebraska. I think so. I'm 12,000 from Baltimore. It might be a bit more than, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I was just <laughs> guessing, but yeah, some really good advice. And as far as money goes, I agree with that. You know, like if you only have like $300 in your bank account, of course, yeah, money is going to be an issue. But I think a lot of people get in their heads that they need to save up like tens of thousands of dollars if they're going to move to like Seoul or if they're going to right. move to like Istanbul. It's never well, that much. And if you have a college degree, mm-hmm. you can get a job that pays you to move yeah. elsewhere, especially mm-hmm. in Asia during what Time Magazine in 2002 dubbed the Asian century. Mm-hmm. There is more money here than there is in the West. Oh, absolutely. And it's up and coming. Mm-hmm. And you 
will not believe what is going on on this side of the world. Oh, it's insane. Until you get here. Oh, absolutely. Shanghai makes Los Angeles look like Flint, Michigan. Oof. Like, it's a just... drinkable water. That's a little bit heavier, this one. But yeah. yeah. But no, it, it, you're absolutely right. And like when I was first arrived in Asia, Beijing, I arrived to Beijing International Airport. And the I, lights were shiny. The, oh my, oh, they were so bright. And, <laughs> and you know, there was a speck of dirt on the ground. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Anywhere, you know? And that is so true now. Like I absolutely detest and hate air travel back in the United States. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate it. I think it's, it, it's just, it seems so unnecessarily dirty. Like Delta Airlines, like, okay, AKA Ramada in air. Like right. it's, it's just garbage. It's absolutely garbage. The last garbage. time my mom came here, she flew United. Yeah. Oh God. And now she's woman. flying Korean air. Good. Thank God. She'll love it. And, um, she was like, the last time I flew United mm-hmm. and I said my headphones were broken mm-hmm. and they said that happens sometimes. <laughs> I said, if that happens on Korean Air, they will come back and bring you three pairs of headphones. Oh, absolutely. I flew, um, uh, what is it? Taiwan Air, Taipei Air or something. I flew into Guangzhou and then like my screen didn't work. And so I just moved to the seat next to me and that was totally fine. But they asked me later, like, why'd you move? I'm like, oh, the screen didn't work. And it was in maybe a two hour flight. And these people were going back and forth, trying to make sure that this screen worked that I didn't even need anymore, but they were just so (laughs) offensively nice about it. that like, once it actually worked, then of course, like I moved back, just like be nice, you know, but then, you know, if that sort of thing happens at Delta United, oh yeah, sorry about it. Whoops. And and also the flights are like twice as expensive over there. Ugh. My mom was surprised that she gets two free checked bags. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and she turned 70 today. Yeah. And she's coming in town in a week. She's coming in town. It's beautiful. Oh, her birthday's today. Yeah. Oh, well. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, mom. Here's to you. Clink, clink. All right. What did we learn? Today I learned that sometimes writers just get contracted for a bit of work and then all of a sudden their whole job is ripped out from under them and then they don't have a way to collect their money. I also learned that podcasting is a great way to connect with friends. Um, I've learned a lot talking with you through this. We spent many nights just kicking it and hanging and didn't, didn't chat this deep. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed it immensely. It was a good time. Um, I think I also knew this to a degree, but pontificated a lot more on the idea that the further we get away from the place that we grew up, the more we identify with that same place. And that was... We can do more about Songs for Dundalk later. Yeah, we can. Yeah. A Dun- Dundalk talk. Yeah. Dundalk good. talk. Dundalk talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are many of the things I learned. And I hope you guys, you listeners at home, learned a lot of things about what it is to be an expat in this regard. Todd, anything you want to say signing off? You always miss home, but where the hell is it anyway? But where the hell is it anyway? All right. See you guys next week. <laughs>